What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is our slash Tales from Tech Support. Here we are back in Florida, uh, early to mid-January. Still haven't done many videos, uh, but it's time to get back on track, and I'm going to use this little downtime that I've got down here to, uh, yeah, get things going again. So, let's read some stories. We stand the shaved bear who runs the warehouse. Hey, the chain-smoking shaved bear who runs the warehouse calls as I walk by. My computer is slow. Can you take a look if you've got the time? I sit down at his workstation and pull up Task Manager while he does something else. I see the uptime is three digits. Okay, I tell him as he comes over. I'll let you save your work, but you probably just need to restart your computer. You should do it every week, at least, but daily is probably better. Crap, the shaved bear says. The last guy told us not to. Oh, hold on. That may be one of the least insane things about this company, so I believe him. He grabs his second-in-command and the service floor manager and asks me to show them how, just in case. I narrate clicking the start button, show them the power button, and repeat what I told the shaved bear. Hey! The shaved bear barks at the service floor manager who has gotten distracted by something shining in the ceiling. This is effing important. Pay attention. Sorry, WDT. Go ahead. Just have it restart when you go home for the night and you should be good. Yeah, there's been a lot of schools of thought over the years where people tell everybody to leave things running, restart it, shut it down completely. Uh, it's just nuts, man. There's no reason for this much confusion, but there always is. Most of my machines for years, I left, you know, huge uptime and uh, would restart about once a month. Now, I tend to restart once a week. I do a shutdown every day just because there's no need for it to stay running. Um, but I do a restart, a regular restart once a week, and that seems to th keep things clear. So, eh, do what you want to do, but that seems to work for me. The Epic of Bob, the printer who's allergic to paper? I'm not an IT professional, so I'm nowhere near the ability level of you guys. I'm an apprentice reprographer and therefore deal exhaustively with that evil called printers. I am, however, the most computer literate person in the department, despite being a techie field, and the IT guys at work encouraged me to share this story. This means I get asked for help with everything from, I can't access the ordering system, which my workplace admins had accidentally blacklisted, to the printers on fire. We don't run Linux, so that worried me, but it was luckily a platform with a printing software, which unfortunately has fire in the name. Then there's Bob. Bob is my machine. There's many like him, but Bob is mine. Not really. He's one of a kind, but my boss is fond of the creed. I named Bob, and you can probably guess why. He's five years old, which is about as old as high-volume machines get, and he lets us know that with various little faults and niggles. He knows we're shopping for a replacement. The biggest of these niggles is that for a long time we thought he was allergic to paper. It all started with a minor issue, something with staple alignment. Minor, but enough that my boss made me call printer support. They, in turn, with a couple days delay, sent out an engineer. The engineer fiddled a bit, left, came back the next day with a part, fitted the part, and left. Sorted? Was it heck. Every job we printed after that jammed. Every job. Call the printer company again. I'm informed that they'll come out and have a look as long as my boss doesn't at any point talk to the engineer. He's aggressive. They come out the next day, decide new part is faulty, come back three days later to replace it. Couple test prints, and all is okay. But by that afternoon, Bob was playing up again. This went on for a couple weeks. We had four different engineers come in at various times. Twenty different visits, sometimes two at a time. The stapler was replaced, the puncher, the motherboard, this, that, and the other. Over fifty different parts. 
every time it would pass the test prints and go wrong a couple hours later. We had a senior engineer watch me and my boss operating the machine to see it was nothing we'd done. You know it's bad when you start buying in different teas and coffees because you know preferred brands. Nothing worked. There are 37 separate operator-accessible paper-clearing points on Bob's model, and he'd regularly jam in 36 of them, and a couple of other places for a good measure. In between visits, we'd be advised to try and use him until the next critical jam. All through this process, my boss blamed me since it happened around the time I started, the printer engineer and God. Me. I decided Bob was allergic to paper. We were scrapping his jam waste, eight times what he'd successfully print. We went through so much paper, our supplier upgraded us from a Christmas card to a gift basket. The engineers were out of ideas. My boss brought in a cricket bat <laughs> and a baseball bat for me. Before Bob was dispatched, we'd give him one last day to redeem himself. We were busy, and that means I decided to stick the scan jobs onto Bob, only to find that part of Bob worked flawlessly. I mentioned this to the boss, who shrugged, and I ruminated on this for a while. Why could I scan and copy on Bob, but not print from electronic sources? It was the job management software. It worked on the other machines. Eventually, I narrowed my target to the banner sheet. It would always jam between the banner sheet and the job proper, sometimes elsewhere, but always there. I told the boss, who didn't believe it was possible. I told the engineer, who'd never heard of it before. He called colleagues, tried to explain it, couldn't, or he couldn't be arsed, got me to, and came up with precisely nothing. He left with the promise of consulting for a solution with the head office. Meanwhile, I was being told to send anything and everything through Bob to work out tolerances. I actually managed to find a bodge fix, sending the banner sheet after. Simple as that. After all that work, printer engineer decided this was good enough. We still haven't worked out a permanent solution, but I'm prouder than I should be of my trial and error. I've done more impressive support. Fixing a binding machine and working out wire job dispatching software was automatically doubling some jobs. But Bob, the little machine that still won't, is the boss's go-to reason for bothering me rather than actual IT. So I thought you might be interested. Sounds like your boss really needs to get his head out of his ass and sort out who is actually in charge of getting this thing fixed and right. Or just find it in the budget to get another Bob. A lot of racket behind me. Uh, I'm right outside the cart barn. <laughs> off the golf course here because that's where I had to find a plug to keep my laptop alive while I did this video. And then in the background, you can hear machinery running. They're actually dredging this little floating island so it doesn't take root and uh, clog up where the airboats come in and out and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, all kinds of interesting stuff going on here today. Can I give you guys these things I paid money for back? I worked as a customer service rep for a telecom company for a little while, and this was probably the weirdest interaction I had there. For context, this telecom company sold Wi-Fi extenders that you could buy alongside your internet subscription, and they cost around 200 bucks. I am me, and CS is the customer. Me. Hello, you're speaking with SM, Telecom Customer Service. How can I help you? Customer. Hi, a tech came by my house and changed my home network, and now I have these Wi-Fi extenders I can't use. Me. Ah, okay. I can help you with the installation of them and walk you through it. Customer. No, that's not it. I have no need for them anymore. Can I return them? Me. Well, that depends. When did you buy them? Customer. I'm not sure. Me. Well, let me pull up your account information and check. Whole shebang of account verification. I see you bought these over a year ago, and that is way past our 14-day return limit, so we can't really return them. Customer. Yeah, okay. Is there still somewhere I can send them? They're still new in the box, and I don't need it. Me, being perplexed, well, sir, the Wi-Fi extenders are yours. They aren't owned by the telecom company. You can do whatever you want with them. Customer, yeah, but I don't know what to do with them. Still being confused, 
Um, you can sell them as they'll work with any modem or give them away or even throw them out. It's up to you, sir. But returning them to us won't get you your money back. Customer. Well, I don't want to do any of that. Can I still send them? Well, after that, I sent a box to home via logistics so he could send it back. This interaction seems short, but in actuality, I tried over 10 minutes to convince this dude to put them on eBay instead of throwing a box with $200 worth of equipment in the figurative void that is our logistics department. Also, this wasn't some old person. He sounded pretty competent and he knew what I was talking about. He was also pretty chipper about the whole thing, even after I told him he wouldn't get any money for them. Yeah, it's funny. Some people just don't want to see stuff go to waste. I got stuff like that. If I don't have a use for certain parts or tools or things like that, whether it's electronics or power tools, I really don't want to just like toss them out. Um, I'm not sure I would have tried that hard to send them back to where I bought them from. And even if I wasn't looking for money, just, you know, ask around, ask your friends. Somebody will want these things. Trust me. It took a single phone call. Back in the eighties, I was a tech support supervisor for a company in Southern California. I worked out of an office that housed not only my group, but a team of programmers, plus our accounting, sales, and managerial staff. We had an office in a business park, which we totally filled. After a year or so, we had to rent additional office space in another suite in the same park. We kept this space for a while until we could figure out a way to move everyone back into the main office. Things were really booming, so we started looking for more fancy office space that could house everyone. Most of the folks wanted to move to an area further from the main metro area to be closer to their homes. My group wanted to stay in the office we were in since it was closer to our customer base. Eventually we found a new building that was under construction and we made a deal to lease an entire floor and the landlord gave us a great building allowance to customize the space. Finally the day arrived and everyone except the support group moved out. A lot of mail still got delivered to the old office, most of which we just bundled up and delivered to the new office. Some bills that were for our space had been approved by us before we sent on the accounting folks for payment. I got the job of making sure things got forwarded and approved, and this is when I discovered we were getting multiple telephone bills. One bill was for calling cards. Ooh, remember those? Used by our remote techs so they could call us and customers no matter where they were. Remember, this is the days when long distance calls were expensive. But I also found we were getting two different bills from our local phone company. One of them was for our regular landlines. It was set up with multiple lines on a hunt group, so multiple incoming calls could be handled. No big deal, but since we have way fewer people in the office now, we didn't need as many lines. The other bill had some strange stuff listed I've never seen before. They weren't normal phone numbers. I called the phone company and gave them the information, and after a bit I was told these were for leased phone circuits, the kind used for dedicated modem connections, the stuff we used before the internet to connect computers to each other. I got my contact to get me two physical addresses, and it turned out that this service was between our office and the temporary office space we had leased. We had vacated that space months ago, but we were still paying for the service. Anyway, I canceled the data circuits and had the number of voice lines reduced, resulting in some savings, which my boss appreciated. Just a little thing, but I felt like someone should have caught it before me. It's amazing the amount of corporate waste I've had to deal with over the years. Um, the military is the same way. You have some offices where the budget's so tight and everybody's so aware of it, you can't even get a paper clip in that place. And then you have other places where... You know, they're swimming in paper clips just because they can. And half of them end up going home anyway, so, yeah. Uh, yes, can I log into my new laptop without a login? Hi, OP and coworker. I received my company laptop today, but still don't have a login. My boss suggested I let you both know that I have received the laptop. I'm not sure of the process, but do I need to wait until I get my login credentials before the laptop can be used? Thanks, financial manager. Next email. 
Yes, this will be the case. You can't log in if you don't have login credentials. You will have to work with the boss on what those credentials will be and what you will need to have access to. Thanks, IT. Next email. Thanks, OP. That's what I thought, but wanted to double check. Boss has submitted a request for my login. Thanks again, financial manager. I'm pretty sure everybody knew, except maybe the boss, that you really had to have your credentials set up beforehand so you can get into your laptop. Um, yeah, even he should have known that. I'm a little lost on this story, but eh, whatever. If you want to save money, you still have to cancel the service you pay for. Short story here. Years and years ago, a client wanted to dump their dedicated fax line and go with an e-fax solution for a few reasons. One of those reasons was that they did the math and figured it would be cheaper to do so long term. At the time, I wasn't involved beyond supporting the solution after it was implemented. Roughly five years after the fact, and being more tenured, the client asked if I would be willing to sit down with accounting to review some discrepancies with vendor payments. Turns out they forgot to cancel the fax line. So for about five years, they were paying for the e-fax service and for a dedicated fax line that was no longer used. They launched a wider audit and found they were paying for a handful of services they had long stopped using. Aside from finally canceling those services, nothing more came of it, since there was some turnover of the client staff that the client higher-ups blamed for those dropped balls. Ah yes, always gotta have a scapegoat. The best scapegoats are the ones that aren't there to defend themselves anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, I saved up a bunch of time at least. Oh, are you the new IT guy? A strange man says as he pokes his head into my office. Uh, been here eight months, but yeah. We make our introductions and he pulls out his laptop. Can I show you a process I have to do and you tell me if there's a better way to do it? Uh, sure. Okay, so I pull up the ERP and I run this series of commands. It gives me this output. Then I copy it into Excel. Then I have to get it to work with Excel. Then go through and break it out by branch, salesman, vendor, and part. Unfortunately, this is the only way I can get the outside parts guys their commissions. I have to do it every month and it takes me at least eight hours to do. Uh, do you not know about reportstruck.com? Because I should be able to automate this almost completely. A look of existential horror and depression washes over him and he begins muttering to himself, Five years. Now the ERP we were using in the 2020s was set up in the late 80s, so it was a green on black TTY. The data he was getting was raw text and he had to get to fit into Excel, with no way in the program to change the data's organization from chronological. And in the five years he had been with the company as the head of the outside parts sales staff, no one had told him about the reporting subdomain where I could get his finished report made automatically as often as he wanted in any file format he chose. We called the ERP vendor and walked their reporting expert through the process. She does the needful. He sees the finished products, asks for a few tweaks, and then he walks away as happy as a clam that just learned what an atom is. Oh my god, I gotta admit, I end up getting stuck doing certain things manually that would be... That there's definitely an automated solution for, but um, I do learn eventually. Uh, I'm not sure any one of them has taken me five years. I mean, my video shooting has gotten much easier, except for finding an extension cord to keep my laptop alive. That's another story. But yeah, I mean, at least he can save time now, right? Okay. Check out this video right here. See ya.